0: The Water Values Podcast, Session One Hundred Eleven. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resource treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now, here's your host, Dave McGibson. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, I'm Dave McGimsey. Thanks so much for joining me. We have a great show for you today. We've got Christina Ahmadpour, the Isle Utilities President of the U.S. Division, and uh, she does a great job talking about technology adoption and uh, some of the the aspects that go into that. You know what you what what technologies. Uh, she's seen a lot of, and uh, it, the Isle Utilities, if you don't know it, is a is a fascinating model. Um, so Christina will explain plenty about that uh, coming up here. Um, but before we get into the uh, the meat of the program, a couple announcements. First, normally we'd have a Bluefield on tap segment and uh, the first podcast of the month, but with my schedule being crazy and Reese's schedule being crazy, uh, we we weren't able to. Uh, get a good time to do that. So, blue feet on tap. Look for the, that segment coming up uh, in the next episode of the Water Values Podcast. And uh, I also need to say thank you to W T R K A T Watercat for the great rating and review on iTunes. Uh, Watercat says, uh, challenging ideas about water. As a self proclaimed water geek, I am happy to find a water podcast. I specialize in water policy, so I enjoy the approach of the podcast. I always learn something and gain insight and new perspectives. Well, that makes two of us, Watercats. So thank you very much for the great rating and review. And I also want to say thank you to the person who gave us a five star rating uh, but did not leave a review on iTunes. Thank you so much. Uh, for anyone else out there who uh, has been enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review on. On iTunes, It just helps uh, get the word out, lets more people find the podcast. And then before the last thing before we get to uh, the main program, uh, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you've already rated and reviewed it, why not make a donation? Help keep the lights on. Help keep the water flowing for the Water Values Podcast. There's a little PayPal Donate button on the website. You just go there, scroll down a little bit, click on it, and you can donate in any denomination you see fit. It uh, greatly... Uh, it's greatly appreciated it helps just defray the expense of putting on the podcast. So thank you so much. Well, now it's time for the feature interview with Christina Ahmad poor. So fasten your seatbelts, open the valves and here we go. Well, Christina, thanks so much for coming on and welcome to the water values podcast. Really appreciate you taking some of your time out, uh, to join us here today. Uh, for, for starters, how about, uh, if you could tell us about your background and how you got interested in water. Well, thanks,
1: Dave, for having me. It's really great. I've been listening to your podcast for um, a while now, so thanks so much. Um, It's really exciting. Um, So my background, um, I started actually uh, going a different route, not necessarily pursuing the water industry. Um, I was following investment and and, and sort of the business admin route. Um, So my background is primarily in business administration. I um, fell into sort of a role within the water sector, and then from there, um, I've been in the water industry since, so about seven years now. And um, within my career, I was able to uh, pursue a master's degree in environmental law, which has really only furthered my interest um, in this space. Um, before my current role, which is within a, a consultancy, IL Utilities, I worked for a tech company. Um, it was a, you know, a, an emerging solution in, in wastewater primarily, and that really just spurred my interest in sort of innovation and water tech and the role of policy. So I've really sort of been able to uh, build my experience around that the past seven years in
0: water. Fantastic. Now, uh, you mentioned innovation and water tech. I, I'm just kind of curious, from someone who who may not be steeped, you know, kind of growing up in water. Um, what I, I'm just kind of curious, what your observations are on water and uh, innovation and technology, and how those uh, kind of converge um, from from someone who comes from a business background. What, what, what's your impression of of water and innovation and technology and their adoption?
1: <laughs> okay, that's uh, a that- I could go on with this for a while, um, but just just quickly, I think um, in a short version, I think innovation in water has been happening for a very long time. It's just the the cycle in which um, when we speak of innovation, you know, it's technology and solutions and best practices. It's not always technical. Um, we've always been evolving in the industry, I mean, even before I started, of course you know decades we we have track record looking at membranes as just a basic example in UV technology um, But what I think is really interesting, especially with having um the business um, fundamentals as well is you know to support innovation it's 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 great it's progressive it's doing the right thing um, but there needs to be a business case and there needs to be you know, a clear um, understanding of the return, and it doesn't always need to be economics. It could be, you know, um, other intangible, um, you know, results, but there needs to be a strong business case for innovation, and in my current role today, you know, we're dealing with a lot of entrepreneurs and innovators and, you know, great minds that have really bright ideas and how to treat water better or, you know, optimize Water treatment or improve you know bring in data analytics which is a huge growing space but they lack really understanding how to create a business case and it's not always um you know the economic side it's really understanding the water resource manager the utilities and um, being able to sort of understand how it helps them do their jobs better
0: so it's a very broad answer, but hopefully that gives a little perspective. <laughs> yeah, I think and it's always great to get to get uh, perspectives like that, especially if, you know, someone who comes from the business side and now you've been in Water, you say, for seven years, and I, th- I think it's really interesting to hear what you've got to say, um, and and how you found the water industry when you first came to it, but, uh, you, but you're very humble. Uh, you're actually, you know, the president of isle utilities, U S division. Uh, you just kind of say, well, I'm in a consultancy now, but, but could, could you tell us a little about Isle utilities and kind of where it fits in this, uh, in this, uh, technology adoption and innovation space? Sure. Gladly.
1: Um, isle is a really, uh, great company. Um, I'm really happy to represent them here in the U S um, Isle is a, techni- a technical specialist consultancy um, focused on the water sector and really specialized in the space of innovation. Um, globally there's about 55 uh, uh, professionals that have backgrounds mixed of um, engineering, chemists, um, business developers, um, entrepreneurs turned consultants. So really a diverse group of um, folks that work here at Isle. And we are around the world: Australia, Singapore, Dubai, Netherlands, UK, US. Um, we've done work in Brazil. We've just started work, doing work in South Africa. Um, ultimately, what IHL is here for is to really help water utilities and municipalities identify, screen, and adopt new and emerging solutions. Um, we have. We're most known for a service that we provide called TAG Technology Approval Group. And this is really where we bring these qualified solutions and matchmake them with end users. in, in most cases, water utilities. We also work with industrial end users. Um, essentially matchmaking, you know, their expressed interest areas and challenges with the solutions that we're constantly vetting and, and sort of searching um, on a continual basis.
0: Okay. Well, how do you, how do you, you know, find this um, menu of, of technologies that you can then vet And bring to your clients? Well, I think our
1: geographical reach really helps us have, um, you know, eyes around the world. Essentially, Um, you know, I think most sort of technical consultants might have a dedicated, you know, tech scout or whatever that role is. Essentially, we're all scouting for solutions and we have an established group that does the vetting process. But again, I think it's the geographical reach, which allows us to work with local stakeholders, utilities, clusters, accelerators, incubators, academic institutions. We attend regional and national conferences. Um, You know, and a lot of, I I would say, a, a good percentage of technologies that we source are coming from our utilities themselves. They're getting calls all the time from vendors, and they just don't have the time and resources to to um, give to these entrepreneurs the way that they would truly want to. So that's another area in which we sort of fill that gap where we can help utilities still understand, you know, what these solutions are, but also protecting their time. Um, but with that said, I, I don't want to discredit the utilities are not interested and they don't want to spend the time. In fact, a lot of our clients, you know, end up spending, you know, a good hour or two with some of these vendors before they even, put it on our radar because you know, they, they love technology. They love water. They're passionate about this. Anyway, it's just about all scalability uh,
0: in terms of the types of, of, of technologies and solutions that are brought to you. Um, you know, let's, I got a couple questions about that. First, let's talk about how you, how you qualify them. say someone comes to you and says, I, I think I have a great solution for a wa- wastewater treatment plant or a water treatment plant." What, what's, what do you guys do? What's your first kind of step? Sure. Well, um,
1: I guess a point of um, clarification to start with is we're not, um, you know, limited to technologies inside the fence. If you wanna designate it that way, you know, treatment-related technologies, any technology or solution that would enable a water utility to operate effectively, so it could be sort of back in the, you know, office asset management, distribution. We are, we will look at everything and anything um, that it will empower our clients. Um, but how we uh, qualify solutions is we, we look both at a technical and commercial perspective. So, again, going to our competencies, we really understand the local markets. We really understand, you know, what it takes for these technology companies to truly show that they have credibility with utilities. So there are some commercial elements that we look at. Um, we also look at, you know, the technical feasibility, their track record, you know, where is their product developed? Is it, are there patents? Have they proven it in the field? What are the results and references? So we really have a menu of questions, um, to use your term there, to to consistently and objectively qualify these companies. The way we qualify them essentially through this process is we apply, um, you know, a standard approach, really adopted and modified from what the Department of Energy and NASA used to Uh, qualify you know technical solutions and then communicate their technology maturity level we've sort of integrate that into our process because ultimately I think another key distinction is being able to qualify solutions but still in in an objective way where you're not influencing you know this one's better than the other it has to be objective and it has to there has to be a certain designation that communicates the maturity so that way You know, whether a utility is bleeding edge versus, you know, second adopter, they can easily look at, okay, what does that technology do and where are they at in their, you know, commercial, you know, journey. You
0: know, it sounds like you're, you actually are the ones that are building the business case. And then, then once you've got that business case put together, what do you, what do you do with it? Well, we don't necessarily build the business case for the tech
1: companies. We, we vet their Stated business case, um, their value proposition, and we we definitely give feedback. So, you know, during our review process with the company, if if there are certain elements that still need to be addressed, we provide that feedback. Ultimately, we want to help these companies convince us, and and then you know then in part convince utilities that they truly have something to offer. So, we'll provide that feedback um, and. Um, and in some cases, if there are additional elements of, you know, information that these companies need to be able to articulate that, particularly if they don't have a background in water, but they have a solution that they feel is really valuable for the water industry, we can help them gather those insights, um, so that they can be empowered to, to articulate that better. I don't know if that answers your question, but, um, we can be involved in that capacity.
0: No, that, that makes sense. So you essentially, uh, look at these technologies and say, yes, um, what, what you've kind of told us checks out, let's bring you before the, uh, the municipal, the, the utilities and see if, you know, what they think about your technology, that kind of, that kind of. Correct. And, um, just to expand,
1: you know, on what the next steps are. So once we qualify these solutions, ultimately the next step is engagement. So, TAG, the technology approval group, is one of the key ways in which we connect utilities to technologies. And based on the priorities of the utilities that they have expressed to us here at IELTS, we will then, um, you know, gather the best available technologies that we looked at within that, you know, three to four month period. And we'll present those those technology companies to the utilities and we'll, we'll associate that readiness level that I had explained with that. So then utilities, can ultimately um, express their top interests. And, And then TAG is inviting those companies to then give a pitch and a presentation. So ultimately, the end game is those companies that have passed our vetting process then go into a next round, which then are further qualified by the utility clients themselves. And ultimately, what we're hoping to achieve is to accelerate the uptake of innovative solutions in the water sector through this program because ultimately, if that technology, which has already been qualified, meets the key decision maker who has an express need or challenge face-to-face, you know they can connect, and there's a, and there's a potential there, then they can move forward. So we've really cut down that time to market for the technology company to find that right person, but we've also helped the utility protect their time to find those solutions so that they can invest their time actually moving that forward if it truly is the right fit
0: right right now so do you um do, do you have a sense of kind of what you know what the market is is you know what technologies are the most uh you know utilities are most interested in uh from the from the tag perspective you know from your, from when you bring them before the tag what kind of feedback are you getting in terms of are there certain areas that are more popular than others in terms of of what the utilities interest in for this innovation adoption?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there's some key themes that really stand out, um, but there are also such a wide variety of um, interest areas and needs. And again, more utilities that are wanting to see, you know, the latest coming straight out of academia and some that want to see something that has been, you know, 50 installations, for example. But, you know, the common themes that we see reoccurring through the tag forums are, are really in the distribution system. So um, for those in, um, you know, drinking water, um, delivering water to to customers, essentially. Um, Aging pipes, infrastructure, cleaning, rehabbing, uh, leak detection, addressing pressure transients, these are all key um, operational challenges in which, you know, emerging tech um, has more opportunity, I would say, at this point. Um, just because of the the need across the sector. Particular area of interest that our our utilities um, have been asking about are, you know, for larger pipes, finding a way to um, do a condition assessment, uh, clean, rehab, uh, reline, but in a trenchless um, form where, you know, they're they're not sending their operators um, or personnel field crew um, into the pipe. So um and then there's just critical assets that are installed in unique um ways where there's been a lot of build up above ground and so there it's just limiting from a access um perspective. So that's an area I would say across the board. Um and then, you know, of course um aging infrastructure and, and wastewater as well is 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 an area of interest. Um but of course, also looking ahead down the road, you know, emerging contaminants in, in drinking water, source water, especially with changing uh, levels of, um, you know, surface water and due to the drought um, in different areas, you know, as applicable, dealing with algae blooms continues to be an ongoing area of interest. So there might, there might just be ongoing challenges where they're just looking for something to really help drive um, better operational and economical efficiency.
0: Right. And so and what are the characteristics of the utilities you're I mean are we are we talking primarily large systems that are that are using your service or are we talking you know smaller systems, medium systems, what kind of systems are are coming to you for advice or for for to take advantage of your services, sorry?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um I think traditionally we um have worked with more larger systems um particularly in the US, you know, I would say our t- a typical um, utility profile or serving um, above 300,000 in population um, on the water side and, and treating over 50 million gallons per day, and so that would be sort of reflective of medium to larger uh, utility base if you look at the, you know, 50-plus thousand systems in the U.S. Um, but with that said, you know, there are some... Uh, Smaller utilities um, that are definitely seeing the value in being part of our tag forums, and that's because you know they can really have access to um, network and learn from these larger utilities, and 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 bring those lessons back. And some of these smaller utilities have a lot more flexibility to try new technologies or you know implement new technologies. So we definitely have a handful of utilities um, in the U.S. that are part of, you know, this TAG network that, um, you know, receive essentially uh, the same value than, than the larger utilities. Globally, we work with, you know, um, much larger utilities as well. And I, w- I would say that it would be quite similar to here in the U.S.
0: Okay. So uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask in terms of you, – you, you, I think you kind of addressed this, but short-term and long-term needs of the utilities – uh, and, and the way that they're looking at all these technologies short term, it sounds like, Hey, the utilities recognize they have a serious infrastructure issue. Uh, what about, what about long term? How, how are we, how are the utilities looking at technology adoption from that longer view? Um, you know, in, t- in terms of, 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 you know, looking at all these technologies and innovation that you're bringing to them. Um, so,
1: you know, we see some solutions that are process-oriented in wastewater, for example, and that's a, that's, that's a great illustration of, you know, a utility can't just install that in the next six months to a year. A, a change in process affects, you know, the operational strategy. It affects other equipment in the treatment plant. So it takes a lot more planning and engineering. And because there are, you know, different emerging approaches, taking a look at what makes the most sense um, takes time. So I would say, you know, changes in processes that really from a wastewater side or or water treatment, those are slower moving and sort of more longer term um, just due to the complexity. Um, I would say also, you know, emerging contaminants, I mentioned that a a minute ago, I think that's something where, you know, there are certain um, contaminants that are not regulated today, but they're definitely thinking about what they should be doing today to be prepared um, should that happen, um, I think you know something that is being reviewed currently, but does also have a longer term implementation are just you know regional biosolids management strategies or and um, you know how to how to how to manage their waste um, on the wastewater side. You know again that's a heavy capex, um, larger scale type project which um, you know would be part of more of a longer term planning in some cases. Um, And I think ultimately short term and and what has the most opportunity to move forward and what utilities are really looking at and interested in is, you know, what could we implement that will bring us greater efficiency, has a payback period, um, you know, makes sense from a implementation um, approach um, and really utilizing, you know, what they have already invested in. In some cases, especially on the data side. You know, there's a ton of data available. It's just how can we tie it all together to make better decisions? And in some cases, those are short-term, but that also ties me back to the longer-term approach. You know, they're definitely thinking about, okay, how do we incorporate, you know, smart water sort of data-driven technologies into the business operations of our, of our utility?
0: yeah so you you said two things in there i that's a, first off great answer i mean i I think that's really interesting but you said two things in there that i want to follow up on first is uh you mentioned the payback and i you know i know that at least in my experience the municipal utilities are willing to uh, take a longer payback than private capital uh will for for infrastructure investments do you have Kind of a general time uh, or a general payback period in which you're seeing the municipal utilities say, yeah, you know, at, at, you know, seven years or whatever that, that, that makes sense or 10 years or whatever the, the payback period for the municipal is. Any, any any thoughts on that?
1: Definitely. I think that's a great question because from the different hats that I've worn in my short seven years, um, (laughs) because that is really short compared (laughs) to a lot of other folks. In the industry, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it needs to have a three-year payback or I won't even touch it to seven years. I think 10 years is more of a standard which um, serves as, okay, we will consider this and let's evaluate it further. But I, I, where I see companies really being able to gain
0: momentum is if they're around that three-year mark. Right, right, okay. Uh, and the other thing, uh, you, you've mentioned it a couple times now, is, is the use of data and i'm you know it i I would like your perspective on uh, utilities using data now it, it seems to me with smart meters and smart networks, the utilities have an incredible amount of data available to them i I'm curious how they're using that data are are they um, and, and whether or not you think utilities are maximizing the value from the data they've they've they collected or are they kind of you know, they haven't looked in the right spots or they're, you know, using the data. I don't want to say incorrectly, but they just haven't optimized how they're using the data yet. I'm just kind of curious your perspective on how utilities are are moving forward with the data they've got.
1: Yeah. Well, definitely, you know, on the advanced metering in the distribution networks, I think, you know, we've barely in the U S at least we've barely tapped into getting utilities um, on, you know, it's such a small market share, really, that have uh, adopted this. So there's so much potential to move in just that space. But in terms of data um, and and utilization, I think from the utilities that um, we speak to quite often, and and just the work, the space that we're in, I think it is also uh, pretty overwhelming with the newer solutions and just the availability of different uh, solutions to be able to um, bring those together in a uniformed way to you know um, to move forward and i'm not explaining that well i I think the point i want to make is you're correct there's a ton of data but i think getting that into a platform that ultimately can move forward takes so much time and i think the other challenge is there are some utilities where the data is not well organized or not accurate, or they lack data in some cases. And so they're, to implement any sort of data-driven analytical type solution, you know, software, as an example, the inputs are what help the outputs be successful. And um, there's a lot of burden on the utilities to prepare, give the data to the vendor, and get that moving forward, which I think becomes sort of a a really limiting uh, factor in, in some of these utilities moving forward. So um, I think it's a mix of having too much data and then trying to figure out, okay, how do we strategically move forward in the most cost-effective way while also just taking the risk that something else might pop up next year that seems better. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. just how fast data is moving. With also on the flip side, you know, not having accurate, reliable data or organized to where a vendor is really limited to be being able to say this is how I can help you, because um, it takes a lot of investment of utilities time to be able to provide, you know, information in some of these cases. So um, I don't know if I answered.
0: No. Uh, well, but I, I, Chris, you did a great job. I, you know, because because that's my perspective. I think is that uh, some utilities are collecting all this data at least. Not every utility, but the, the utilities that are collecting data, I get the sense that they're collecting just a tremendous amount, and they may not know how to. They may not have when they when they started collecting the data, they didn't they didn't. In some cases, they knew what they thought their end game was, but kind of the ball might might have moved along the way, and so they've just got mountains and mountains of data, and it's coming in every fifteen minutes, you know, and they're they're just uh, a wash in data, and they they need a better way to organize it and to uh, interpret it and analyze it so that they can make the best decisions for uh, for their systems at least that's that's kind of what i what i see i think a good example of that is we've seen a lot of
1: um you know sensors moving towards real time and you know some can capture capture data points um every 15 seconds and some faster than that so you know that's great because a utility can really understand the chemistry of their water, or, you know, you know that sort of thing. But what's the operations? Why? What are they going to do with it? And if, you know, that's sort of what still needs to be developed. And technology companies need to be aware of how they can sort of enable utilities and tell the story of how why that's valuable. And I think uh, some vendors are still learning about how they what their value proposition is as well as for utilities you know being able to strategize and make it meaningful because some of these sensors can be really expensive if they're not going to truly be able to do anything different with it now they see it as a cost versus a you know a beneficial tool even though they acknowledge that real time sensors are are so beneficial you know what i mean so
0: yeah Yeah. It's it's a it's a matter of like like you kinda indicate, building the business case. What am I going to use the data for? Uh how am I gonna, you know, collect it, how am I gonna make sure I'm getting quality data in because you don't want to have the junk in, junk out problem. And so uh so I I just think that's that's really interesting how utilities are are kind of moving towards um uh you know, using using data and making sure that that when they do spend the ratepayers' funds, because that's what they're doing that they are making uh, an informed decision because no one wants to get on the other end and say, you know what, we just spent, you know, $10 million and it didn't work. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so you touched a little on inside versus outside the fence, um, you know, earlier and, and you indicated distribution systems seen a lot of interest. What on the inside the fence on the water treatment, um, you know, kind of what, what what are you seeing in that space in terms of the uh, innovation and technologies being brought to, to your your clients? Okay,
1: so on the um, water treatment side, um, I think you know there's definitely um, advancements in membranes that um, help sort of the polishing um, of water before it leaves the facility. Um, there's an interesting technology that we have um, identified in this past year. Um, called Filtralite. They, as an example of, of one, they have a clay media type solution, um, and it's an alternative to sand and anthracite. And from initial, you know, reviews, it looks like from a, a cost perspective, is the same or less than these other, um, you know, incumbent alternatives. But the benefit is there's, uh, you know, reduced backwash and, and better filtration. Um, so. That's an example we're seeing, you know, advancements in sort of filters, and, and filter light is, is one specific example of something recent. Um, on the wastewater side, I mean, we've seen a ton around biological treatment optimization. Um, that includes sensors within the biological process for real-time monitoring to help op- optimize the operational strategy, you know, if you can reduce your air in the basin and save on energy. And there there continues to be solutions there from – you know, enhanced valves to sensors to just approaches um, on the wastewater side. Um, And so I would say that those tend to be the key areas. I think, you know, again, on the wastewater side, um, capturing more energy from waste continues to be um, part of the discussion with a lot of municipalities and how to optimize sludge dewatering. So how can you you know, um, and that's where a lot of energy savings come from. So I, th- I think you know what's interesting on the wastewater side. I think a lot of it's driven by operational efficiency. But ultimately, can we you know spend less on chemicals? Can we spend um, less on energy? And can we reduce anything that we're hauling away from the tri- uh, treatment plant to reduce expenses associated with that? Um, I think those are some key drivers to what they're looking for within the, the wastewater treatment plant and on the drinking water plant, again, less chemicals, um, leveraging real time to help with operation and then, um, better filtration that's cheaper, that works better. Yeah. It's, it's a bit simple. I'm, I'm simplifying it, but those are the real (laughs) interest areas.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that mirrors kind of what, what, what I'm seeing as well. So that's, that's really interesting. Uh, I, in terms of uh, other, you know, I, I know we're kind of coming up on our time here, Christina, but uh, wh- is there, is there a, an area that I haven't asked you about that you think is important for people to hear about uh, from, from, you know, Isle Utilities' perspective? Well, um, that's
1: a good question. I think um, I think what's interesting that I can share about Isle just as a sort of a conclusion here is that um, – I think we play a great role for entrepreneurs and innovators to get in front of key decision makers at utilities. So if there is anyone listening that does feel they have a great solution and wants to, um, you know, put it through our TAG program, I would definitely encourage those to look into Aisle as well as utilities that are looking to be part of a regional collaboration of other utilities to um, essentially review these qualified solutions I think there's a lot of great work that we're doing that ultimately is helping innovative solutions move forward. And I think just to highlight some key parts of our success, um, to date, since we started, we've helped um, over 200 technologies um, really get that next step of their commercialization journey. And I think through these forums, um, one important aspect is it's a feedback loop. So utilities that participate actually provide comments anonymously back to these vendors. And that really helps them with their commercialization strategy and ultimately helps the utility um, by having them improve it and come back to them, right? So um, that's really interesting. So we've helped track over the commercialization of 200 companies. We've helped introduce over 700 technologies through these TAG forums worldwide. Um, As a result of being able to validate these companies through the forum, We've helped these companies um, indirectly receive over a billion dollars of investment to help them on their commercialization journey. So, I think what I just want to highlight is that I I feel like we um, we're within this little niche area of the water sector that's really important for helping innovation move forward. And um, we're really excited to just be part of the you know the journey of a lot of these companies and also working with utilities. I think. One thing that I hear at all these conferences, Dave, is that utilities are so, you know, um, slow and they're not innovative, and et cetera. And I think, I think that's not the case. Um, I think it's, you know, it's the business models, it's the governance of utilities. I think it's, you know, the procurement. I think those are some of the barriers around innovation, not the utilities and the leadership of utilities that I feel are truly invested in innovation and want to see it thrive. So. I think just to leave on that note, um, I think my perspective might be a little different, and some might might want to counter that. But that's that's sort of my position and take.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I've never been in a in a tag meeting because I'm not part of the utility, so the the non utilities aren't allowed in uh, to hear these presentations. But I have seen the agendas, and and you're right, there there are a lot of really interesting things and diverse things that uh, and, and you know technologies that you're you're bringing to uh, utilities attention and letting them kind of decide if they want to take the next step. But but, Christina, you've been, you've been great, uh, you know, telling us all about these uh, technologies that are coming and how you act as this clearinghouse to bring uh, vetted technologies to municipalities, making their time uh, more efficient. Could, for those folks who want to find out more about you and Isle Utilities, where can they go to find that information? Well, our website would be a good starting point. It is um,
1: www.isleutilities.com. My contact information is on there. Um, and so um, my email will be there if anyone wants to get in touch with me directly. And on our website, there's information about TAG that companies can uh, learn more about um, and then to participate as well as utilities and, and other water stakeholders. I think um, the website will will illustrate a
0: lot more of what we do in this space. Fantastic. Well, Christina, thank you again for your time. Really appreciate it. And i uh, look forward to speaking with you in the future. Thanks, Dave. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you here. You bet. All right. Bye, Christina. All right. Bye-bye. I well, hope you liked that interview with Christina Ahmadpour of Isle Utilities. She was absolutely fantastic coming onto the podcast and uh, talking with me about technology adoption and how Isle Utilities de-risks uh, technologies for utilities across the U.S. and around the world. So it was really interesting hearing her thoughts On the types of technologies that utilities are most interested in, the types of technologies that she is, um, seeing most often coming out, uh, and being proposed. So those, those things I thought were, were really interesting, um, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on the podcast. You can check out the show notes for this session uh, at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 111. Uh, leave a comment on those show notes. You can also email me at david at Uh You can also tweet at me at DTM1993, and you can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. Uh, and do me a favor. Like I said, at the top of the show, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Uh, and also just consider making a donation, uh, through the PayPal button on the, on the, uh, website there at the And you can also sign up for the, uh, for the water values newsletter on the, uh, the website too. It's only twice a month. Uh, we essentially just send it out every, every time a new podcast is released, a, a newsletter goes out. So, um, it's uh, it's not going to be a bunch of spam that's going to just take up space in your inbox. Well, in closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. the water values podcast thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me Thank you for tuning in to The Disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. Information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.